0: Hi, kids! <laughs> this is Krusty, and you're listening to the Bob Culture Podcast
1: with your host, Rob Crother.
0: How about you get paid for this? That's it? Uh.
1: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special Brian Morelli appreciation episode. Oh,
2: boy. <laughs> it's
1: going to be a love fest, I already know. You no, know, guys, super stoked for this one. Time to get back into the local band scene. Super excited for this one. For a band that's been blowing up for a long time uh, in anticipation of their September 4th release of These Are Our Years coming out. So excited for this full length album. These guys just released a single. This is phenomenal. We'll get into that in a little bit. Guys, please welcome to the show, Brandon. Brian, Mark, and Frankie, Morningside, ladies and gentlemen, what's up? How are you? Well, guys, I'm good, man. Thanks
2: for having us.
1: Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, no, it's an honor. Anytime Brian Morelli's on the show, it's just it's an absolute uh, rankings go way way up. So I'm just <laughs> guys. Thank you, thank you for a few minutes. I uh, really appreciate you guys. How's everyone making out in this
3: bizarro 2020? Everyone saying uh, healthy, family doing well. How's everyone doing? Uh, we're doing good, man. It's like uh, we're just sticking to the things that are making us happy right now, like, you know, putting uh, new music out and, you know, just uh, staying together as a band. So we're feeling pretty good besides all the craziness that's been happening. But, you know,
1: yeah, it's it's crazy right now. And, um, you know, I think I know the answer to this already. But, um, you know, I know as a creative, as someone who does have a platform as a performer, you know, and I, I talk to a lot of artists, a lot of bands, a lot of wrestlers, a lot of talent. I feel like everyone just kind of feels like, especially at the beginning of this, like we all had to had to do something or say something, whether it be COVID, uh, the Black Lives Matter, um, everything that's going on in the world right now. Did you guys kind of feel that pull and obligations as uh, creatives and performers? Yeah,
3: when it, you know, whenever things get pretty heavy, um, it's kind of it just kind of comes out you know your beliefs and all that stuff so um at some point you you have to say something but you know come come to it you know very you know genuine i think that's the best way to do it
1: yeah and, and you guys absolutely have you know let's get a little shameless promo out of the way here a couple days ago um i believe it was last friday you guys released glass skin love the tune really really good um I don't know, I I feel like bands hate being compared to other bands, but, you know, I get a vibe for it, man. I feel like it had a a very, like, U2 sound, but um, you guys also, you guys are definitely the definition of, I would put bands like you and Bobby Mahoney as, like, Jersey rock. Like, you guys have that Jersey rock sound. Do you guys kind of get that vibe a lot? Like, you are the epitome of that Jersey
3: rock sound, first and foremost? Yeah, I mean, it's it's in our DNA, man. We're all from Jersey, you know? Well, it's it's going to. It's gonna come out of you, no matter what I feel you know, and these guys they all like uh i mean we all grew up in jersey i mean I grew up in north Jersey, and Frank, you grew up with um
4: in central Jersey, so like around like Jackson area,
3: okay. Okay, cool.
4: Yeah, but um you guys have
3: this
1: great sound. You know, I've been lucky to see you guys play a couple of times. I think actually the last show I was actually at before like the world shut down was a uh, Wonder Bar with uh Jersey Rock uh the rat shout out to Tom Hanley. Uh you guys were phenomenal, great set, definitely uh caught my eye. Um, you know, Max and I ran on stage aside to say hi to Brian and the security guy kicked us off. Uh nobody put Max in the corner. But uh it, it uh it was it was awesome it was awesome to see you guys. Great set. What's kind of like your guys' philosophy when you go on stage? Some people like to just kind of crank them out. Some people like to really put on a show. Some people like to put out a message. What's your guys' kind of on-stage of philosophy?
3: Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Brendan? What do you uh, think?
2: <laughs> guys, we, we could sum this up easily.
5: Yeah. <laughs> 150. Well, whenever we came up with this thing, 150% we give. Every time okay. we go out there, that's the goal. 100 is not enough we got to go past that.
2: The, the philosophy in that is 150 is basically all of yourself and another half. We're basically asking of each other to give all and a half when we're up there.
3: Yeah, and it's funny because it started, when we first started <laughs> that, it started, we, we were saying, okay, we're going to give it 110. Then the next call. Uh, then the next show is 120. All right, it's going to be 120, 130, <laughs> 140, and then 150, and then boom, that's it. I think 150, that's where we. Uh... Yeah, we're gonna all pass that that's up to 160. <laughs> yeah, 160. I don't know. We might, it uh, might not go over too well. We might not get home. <laughs> no,
1: but essentially, you guys are, are cranking it up to 11, is what you're doing. But um, no, you guys, you guys really always steal the show, and it's really good to see that. I can't wait to get back, um, get, I can't wait to get back on stage myself. I can't wait to hit that first symbol, that first note. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. Do you guys kind of think about that moment, that first time you step back on stage, plug in the amps, uh, you know, say the first word into the mic. Do you guys ever think about that? Every day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's going to be, um, an adjustment period coming out of it? This is the first shows that are, that will be playing. It's going to be, um, you no, know, there's gonna be something different in the air. I feel, but then over time, I just feel like that's gonna wear off, and then we're gonna be back to where you know we were, like show up. Atmosphere. Yeah. No. Absolutely.
1: Um. And I. And I was gonna say, guys. Uh. You know, going back to the shameless promo, talking about um glass glass skin. A little bit of a message there. Um, as a drummer, you know, I always feel like my part of the band, like, yeah, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of passion in my playing, there's a lot of connection, like, especially with the rhythm section, like, Max and I would always lock in, look at each other, you guys know about that. But as far as, like, the messages behind songs, um, and the writing and stuff like that, the lyrics, that to me, I was never, like, really good at at deciphering that. I'm more mechanical, I guess. Um, what, tell us a little bit about, like, the story behind Glass Skin. Uh,
3: well... I mean, me and Brian. Um, I showed Brian the riff. That was the, probably the first person I showed, and it kind of just—it's—it's it's a song. It is a song about you know liberation and realizing that you're coming out of a bad place and that you're entering this new um, world where you know you don't really know what's going to be happening, but you got to embrace it because you don't want to be stuck where you were. You yeah. know what I mean? So and and that you know the character like I, I relate to that to the character in glass skin a lot because you know like that, that song made me realize that like okay things were changing like after i wrote the lyrics i was like oh wait you know it's kind of getting better here you know i was like wow because it's show, it's showing through the song and it's just kind of projecting through the song so that's how i feel
1: yeah that's in, that's interesting a couple more uh leads. i know the lead singers always get like these deep deep questions i got i got some band questions too but um as far as like you know the writing you you said um in your quote for the press, and you also said right now you said the character, the character. Uh, I always like to ask fans this: does your writing come from like a place of real life uh, or does it come from like a fantasy world or another person or dreams or anything like that? Where does the writing come from
3: um it, it I mean it always comes from a personal um, from a personal place, but um I, we could, we're good at uh, also you know talking about someone else because like I like talking about other people too because they are in your life too you know what I mean so like that's like the relationship you have with other people and putting your putting yourself in someone else's shoes because there there is an album there's there a song on the album that you know that totally goes into another person's uh, shoes but it, it all it all ties into what you're feeling at that moment that's that's huge and and then you just kind of tie it in. you you relay it you relate you related it to other people's ambitions, I guess, and other people's lives from your from your standpoint, though. I got
1: you very well said. And um, like for the rest of you guys, like the writing process—does it usually start with like um, like he, like you he saying a riff? Does it start with a riff, then the drums come in? Um, is it, is it lyrics first and we're going to write, um, a riff or a chord progression around these lyrics or a feel? How does, how does the writing process come
3: in when you guys are writing a new song for like this new album? It's always, it, every song's different. I, I, I don't, I, I never really find myself saying that like, okay, yeah, you know, the lyrics start, the, the lyrics start first and then the music comes first, like after, you know, that, that never really happens. It all kind of, it's, it's always, a, it's always a different, you know. Mix. It always happens differently. Sometimes the music comes first, and then the lyrics come in like, like later. You know, so it, it's always different. And I feel like that's like, a, that's a huge role into songwriting too. Just like the, just the not knowing how you do it, but you do it
5: thing. You know. Yeah, I got yeah. It. but the process has always been usually that that Mark comes in with a, a, a pretty full, complete song, and then. Kind of lets us add what we're going to add to it. He has in his head like a vision for where he wants the song to go, but he he gives us the free rein to kind of put our uh, our flavor, our character into it. Yeah, I completely agree.
4: I mean, I'll tell you like a quick interesting thing. Like for my um, my part, the bass part in Glass Skin, there's that like kind of mellow down part, especially there's that riff in the intro that I play, and. Um, there's that riff, and I remember when that riff came to me, it come to me from practice, and it came from actually when I was teaching, because I'm, you know, during the day, I'm a teacher in, in Trenton. Um, it came to me in my classroom. I was, like, you know, teaching them, and for some reason, that riff, the ba da 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 just, like, it came to me, and I had the kids, like, just practice for a second, and I took my phone, and I, like, I just sung it into my phone for, like, the that voicemails, and then was was during, like, after... After school, I went to my base. I was like, "I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out." It like it just hit me. I sung it into my phone, and that was it.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. And uh, and Brian, I'll throw it to you, man, because you know I feel like St. brain. We're um, you know the backbone of the band. I mean, the drummers are the best. Let's be honest here. Sure. But um, <laughs> do you do you do you feel like kind of that you have to stay like um, like. I guess, like for me, like I'm like I'm in a hard rock band, or I, I was in a hard rock band. Like maybe I have to keep things a certain way, or do you? Do you ever feel like you have to break away from like a certain mold? Because like in this song, I loved what you were doing on the drums, man. It almost had like that disco dance beat, but like a slower vibe. I could like the high hat pop sounded so good. What's kind of like your philosophy going into these different songs, for you?
2: Oh yeah, um, from my world, I mean, writing drums for these songs is kind of a lot. Uh, it's similar to what Mark goes through. Every song is pretty much different. And what's very interesting about about my role in the writing is um, Mark will give me an idea of what he's looking for percussion-wise. And um, not a knock at all. This is just how our dynamic is. Mark doesn't really talk drums. So he'll give me, like, a sonic idea. And yeah. then it's my interpretation. And we'll do trial and error until, you know, the last song in the album is called In Our Prime. We didn't have. I didn't have the drum set for that song until we were in the studio. I wrote the drums and and tracked them. We just had no idea what we wanted to sound like. So we really are pretty meticulous. And um, Frankie and uh, Brandon and myself. I mean, we all self arrange rather well. Uh, So writing together, kind of, it's pretty synergistic. I think.
4: Yeah,
3: that's definitely worth. And and that's (laughs) awesome. Like, the thing is, though, with this album, like, there's no, like, kind of... There was no free wheel in it. Free wheeling in it. You know what I mean? There was no, like, uh, kind of... There, there was nothing going on where, like, nothing was incomplete. Everything, like, we went... Like, we went into the studio, like, we we, f- we really fleshed out all those drum parts. Like, recording those drum parts were really uh, one of the most important days in a couple of days in the studio because we completely... We changed almost 70% of the album when we went in there. All of a sudden, like, they just started, like, ripping the songs apart. The, the producers, uh, Tim and uh, John from um, Lake House, all of a sudden, they kind of just ripped the guts out of the song, and then we just rebuilt it again. And that was something that I always wanted a producer to do. I was just like, oh, my God, fine. They were like, do you mind if, this, if we do this? I'm like, please do it. Like, just, keep, just do whatever you want, and then we're going to figure it out, and we... It it, it it all happened pretty fast, but happened uh, it happened for the best. I feel that that's awesome.
1: And finding like a great producer is uh, super important. You you want them to know you. I, I've been lucky to to work with someone who's seen us so many times, and that you know would know whatever band I was in at that time sound. And that's that's super important. You guys talked about the writing process. Talk to me a little bit about the recording out al- uh, recording for this full length album. And is this
3: thing done yet? Is it like completed? Yeah, it's it's done, man. We we finished it in October of 2019, and uh, really? we didn't have, we started in June. We started uh we started June of 2019, and we kept uh we would you know we would go in for two or three days, and then a few weeks would go by, go back in. A few weeks would go by, go back in. We kind of went through 2019, and uh, we just kind of had these random dates, and we and we finished it. Um, it's kind of a blur to me though, because it was just, I couldn't believe it was, it was happening when the moment came. It was like, wow, we were, we've been sitting on these songs for so long. And I'm like, actually, I don't remember a lot of it, but I know Brian, Frank and, uh, Brendan know,
5: like, remember a little bit more than I do, but if anybody (laughs) wants to chime in on that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I was, I didn't go in as many days as they did. I came in, I think just one day and laid down a bunch of lead guitar tracks for this. Um. So maybe Frank or Brian could speak more to that. But I love the fact, you know, a lot of bands, they they, they record and they're like, oh, we got to get this stuff out here as quickly as possible. It's done. And I, I really like the yeah. fact that we didn't do that. We sat on it. We kept it in the vault. And we were like, let's wait for the right time. Let's make sure we get the right promo for this and get it all ready to go before we put it out. And I think that's going to help us. It's going to benefit us that we did that. Yeah, I think it also
4: I think it also really speaks to us, too, because, you know, during the recording parts, like Mark was saying, they they really, like, you know, dug in and, and took the guts out of a lot of these songs. And, you know, I know for me, I, know, I think the second day I was in the studio, I came into the studio after work, and both Brian and, and Mark were there, and they were recording a song, and they know exactly what we am going talk about. There was this one song that we knew, we probably already played it live, you know, two or three times, and then... I came in and they were like, look, this song, no, I don't want to give it away, but this song has changed. So I was like, all right. So I, when they played it, what they were starting, it was, I was like, it didn't even sound like the song anymore. So I think the biggest obstacle that we had to do was, you know, as the songs were changing in the studio, we were playing a lot of shows. So to make sure that, you know, yeah. we were learning that on the fly, as the songs were changing, we were changing with them as we were doing the live shows those, like, same weeks. And it just, it gelled so quick with that. Like the new arrangements that, you know, I think we thought maybe it would take a little bit for, you know, to get those down how how we were doing them in the studio, but it it just clicked.
3: Mm Yeah. I remember we... I'm sorry, who's going in there? No, no, no. You first I remember we went in there, um, you know, we kind of had these songs. We thought we had them done. And we were just like, oh, (laughs) "Oh, they're going to love them. We're just going to (laughs) record things, lay them down. And we were, you know, we had everything dialed to to 11 and so John and Tim were like listen well they they went in they they did something to my amp they took all the drive off my amp and they put then they just threw on they were like alright, right put that delay and and like Tim like just went he kind of like was like messing with the knob and then he found and it just happened and we like the whole thing the guitars are really clean on that album everything is it's it's a very crisp clean sounding album and you know they took out a lot of cause everything was just so you know, overbearing and distortion and gain and like they just took that off. And we were like, Whoa, okay, this we never worked like this before. So it was it was it was definitely um an eye opener as as a musician to learn and to adapt to that style of playing, you know.
2: Yeah, it it was an amazing process seeing your own songs that you think you're tied on get rearranged and your own ideas and arrangements get challenged by somebody who is credible. And so I shared Mark's enthusiasm, but I was actually kind of nervous about that because Frankie and Brandon were actually pretty new in the band at the time of us recording. And on that day, that one story that Frankie's talking about, I was so nervous. I was like, holy crap, they're going to quit. We're going to lose these guys they're going to they're gonna hate it, all their investment's going to be gone, you know and um, but no, thankfully they they stuck around, they believed in the product, and a good amount of this process was learning to just kind of let go of what it's going to be and let the course take its own way, kind of
3: Yeah, trust the process. that's what I like to say a lot, so
1: love it that 's really interesting. I love like having these band to band chats or musician to musician chats. Um, something that you guys kind of talked about. You, you talked about like playing these songs live and recording and all that. Um, I know for me like in you know being in band since I was sixteen years old, I think sometimes when the record comes out and you listen to the record, do you ever feel that you play like the songs differently after
3: the record comes out, or is that just me? Yeah, because the songs are always evolving, no matter what yeah. they, they start evolving over time and you know, you start, and that comes with more experience, just getting better as a musician, and just you know, turning into, just kind of progressing as a musician. So I feel that always changes, but for the it's always for the better because that's what you are at that moment, and that always comes across as genuine. And once it comes off genuine, everybody gravita- uh, gravitates towards that.
4: Yeah, and I think that what Mark does really, really well is like he'll when we go to you know when we have when we go to rehearsal. You know, we'll have, you know, our how we play the song and, you know, we have the blueprint of everything and our parts are nailed down. And then he's really, really good at, you know, figuring out, like, okay, we're going to do, like, band intros maybe here or doing this. And we all have that input. Like, that's how the song, like, evolves. We get, like, little jams here and there with different songs. And, you know, we all kind of pick different... I mean, Mark usually has a really, really good idea of where he wants, you know, different band intros and transitions. But I think, you know, the songs are always evolving in terms of you know, the live show and interacting with the crowd and those like bandit shows, the thing where Mark kind of lets us just kind of do our thing as he's interacting. That's all part of the evolving process when you're, you know, playing live.
3: Yeah. Live is a totally different thing because we had one of our older songs. Um, I remember we, I remember I called out for it one time at a show. We were unrehearsed. we didn't really touch it. Like we, it was unrehearsed for a while. And then, uh, so that happened all of a sudden through the live show and then now we just keep it that way now so it's
5: like the live show made, evolved those songs too for me uh it was interesting because i've always felt that about albums on you know like that it's really hard to capture the energy of your live show in the studio because there's no crowd and i've always when people have listened to my stuff i'm like oh just come see my band live come see this live and it will be very different but this is the first time I've actually felt like the album captures the energy that we have when we play. When I hear this single back, I'm like, "That's us, man that That's we're that powerful live, too." You know, so I, I it's really hard to do that, and for whatever reason, we captured that. So, and
3: actually, the glass skin is the only song that they did not touch. Like that, uh, that Lake House was like, actually, no, that's fine. They're like, you're good. We're like, wow. oh, nice.
1: It's, that's interesting. It's really it's really, really interesting to me that correct me if I'm wrong, you said you guys finished this album in October of two thousand nineteen. Is that what you were saying? Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: So I so mad respect to you guys. I mean I've been in a lot of projects, um, you know, where, you know, like the planning and the execution's all over the place. Usually you do have the album done but now it's like all right, we got to find the the album art, or we got to you know get get a picture to this thing. We got to plan a release show and all this kind of stuff. And usually, when you're done, you got to you know do all this stuff, or you're doing it while you're recording. Um, and then you know after that release show, like what's the next step? You know, I, I've been in bands where it's like, all right, we had the release show. Now someone's doing their own thing. It's just like it, there's no plan. So to me, it's very interesting to me that you guys, for essentially eight months, have sat on this thing, man. They're like that's actually super interesting to me. Uh, I think that's really cool. What's the mindset, and why did you guys decide to put Glass
3: Skin out now? Just, it, you know, when we got it done, we were we kept going back and forth about, like, when we want to put it out. And it just didn't feel right yet. We were just like, it just doesn't feel right to put it out yet. Let's wait. Let's sit on it a little bit. Let's get a plan together. And these guys, man, when it comes to planning, these are the guys, man. These are the guys for that. Like, I, I would have never been able to like even get the single out just kind of in my own head it it was it would have not it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the same without these
4: guys so that's for sure i i think also like a big thing is we knew that we weren't going to release it right away like we i think we all knew that like right when we were done recording we knew it wasn't going to be like all right next week we're putting it out we knew we kind of had 2020 on the radar of when to release it. And then this, you know, with the quarantine happened, you know, that threw a big obstacle our way because now we needed to figure out, all right, when is the when is now the best time to do it? When is this going to be over, you know, for us to release something? And then when we decided to do, you know, Glass Skin for um, the July, the I'm sorry, the June release, we really just sat down and I think we really learned a lot about ourselves. You know, we play really well on the stage, but I think we learned a lot. about ourselves off the stage through this quarantine because we had zoom meetings every week planning like what we're going to do every person had a different job who was working on you know who was working on the release who was working on submitting it who was working on you know any kind of press who was working on social media we all had our different jobs and every single week we're meeting and we really learned about ourselves how to work together off the stage as you know just get to getting to the point where we knew how
5: well we worked
4: on the stage together
5: yeah, and I think the timing too. I, I I we kind of always thought this song was a summer roll down the windows kind of song. And the timing just happened to work out where it seems like, well, things are starting to open up now slowly and seems like maybe this is starting to get behind us a little bit. Maybe people need this, you know, nice Anthony Rock song to get them back on their feet. We just felt like now's the time. Like it just yeah. we all felt that.
3: And we—that's a big thing with us. It's all about the feel to us. We were actually just talking about that before today, uh, on the chat. Um, we were talking about how we, how we won't—we don't like to do anything that doesn't feel right. You know, so we always go with the vibe and how, you know, just how going with our gut. You know, and that—that's something that's really important to me.
1: I like that. That's, that's interesting to me. And uh, I get what you guys are saying. Like, now is the time. Uh, the one, you know, it's all about silver linings these days. Like, like I said in the article, like, it really is all about so- silver linings. Um, check it out on PopRank.com. Um, But um, it, it's interesting to me. So much great music has come out of this quarantine. Um, there, there's an artist, Kathleen, now. She's doing live streams. She's going on 100 nights in a row right now. She's fantastic. Uh, my buddy, Eddie Souls. Um, he, he sat with me on this couch, man, right, writing a song, uh, and I said, bro, you should go finish that. Uh, he sent it to me a couple days ago. Um, this is before the quarantine, and now he sent it to me a couple days ago. I said, bro, this is the best song you have ever written, and I've known him since he was, yeah, 15, 16 years old. So um, it's, it's the one thing coming out of this is all this great music. Do you guys feel like this is your best stuff yet?
3: Well, this current album, yeah, for sure, 100%. Um... It just so, so good and so fresh and just just, just everything that it, everything that it embodies you know it's like it was the perfect time to put this out, I feel because just what it represents what what it makes you feel what makes you think so i i I'm really really happy about this out because we i mean the the writing process took a long time, you know me and Brian and then later Frank and uh, Brendan, and and we 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 grinded man we really did and we learned something from it that's something that i always like to bring up we learned how to be a band with the album wow
1: beautifully said that's really well said and september 4th i believe is the date um, for the album release what's what's the idea you guys essentially waited a year i mean by that point that's I mean, you have my respect. That's really cool. It's calculated. Like, I really respect that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Do you guys feel that like maybe the world will be open by then? Is that kind of the plan? Maybe to have a CD release really show. I mean, we don't have the answers, or does it have nothing to do with that?
2: No, yeah, I, I just wanted to drop it on my ex's birthday.
3: Uh, <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> Sorry, this I, Marissa, <laughs> that is awesome.
5: Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm getting the phone call later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean we, we definitely talked about it. That was definitely in our thoughts that maybe by September, you know, maybe shows can start coming back in some form. Um so we, we figured that would be good. And and even if, if even if it doesn't, I think it just made sense to us that you know, that this is the time and we we didn't want to wait on it too long either. So I think it was like a good medium, you know. Definitely. Absolutely. Um. Now to get to some of these
1: cliche questions that we'll get out of the way, real quick. Tell us a little bit about the origin story of the band. Was there a toxic waste spill and it all spilled on you guys and you had your music powers uh, combined, or how did this well, all happen? I mean,
3: um, me and Brian uh, got together in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Me and Brian uh, were uh, yeah together in 2017, and we just, um, you know, we were just playing. We I was showing him these songs, and we went through, you know, a couple of. Just a couple of band lineups where you know th- it didn't really pan out it didn't feel good that's the thing that's the, that, I, I like to bring up that word the feel didn't feel right so you know we but we kept I, I kept telling him listen we got you get you get back what you put out so let's just keep putting ourselves out there let's keep see that that that, that, that goes back to glass skin it, there's a lyric I know how hard it is to throw yourself back in. We kept throwing ourselves out there we kept putting ourselves. Feelings and hard on the line, and regard like regardless of how it, regardless of of how it made us feel if it didn't work out. But you know, it did work out. So you you get you get rewarded on like what you on how much faith you put on something. You know, if you really if you really feel that you have something to say, you know, people will come along and for that ride.
4: I feel. It's also super weird how, like, everything just clicked, you know, like, yeah. right from the get-go. I mean, I joined in March, the end of March last year, and it really just really started from I put, a, I put an ad out on Facebook saying that I wanted to, you know, I'm playing, I'm a bass player and I want to, you know, play shows because I was doing mixing and audio engineering for uh, probably a year, um, and then I wanted to get back into playing shows. And the day that I put that ad out, I got a friend request from Mark and then we just started talking and then that, that was kind of that. And then I, I knew Brandon because I worked with him uh, a couple years back and I knew what a monster guitar player he was. Um, so I, you know, we actually had two shows coming up and it was, it, in, right when I met Mark, I had a couple of rehearsals in like a month or so, or a month and a half, we had two gigs that lined up. So we, you know, needed to see if we had a, um, a lead guitar player. So I recommended Brian and I knew how much Brian, Brian does a, Brian, Brandon, Brandon does a bunch of stuff. He does, you know, at, at the time, you know, he, he always plays gigs and he's, he's, he's such a good guitar player. Everyone wants to play with Brandon, you know? So I told Mark, I was like, look, I was like, he's, he does a lot of stuff. He's, you know, liked and known, you know, all over. So I don't know if we'd be able to get him, but I could reach out to him, but that would be crazy if he would be willing to do that or if he's free. And it just ended up, you know, it went from filling in for those two gigs and I mean,
3: that was it. And it's funny because when he told me his name, when Frank to- texted me,
4: oh,
3: he texted me his Instagram, and I was looking at it, and I was at a red light. I was at a red light. <laughs> so then all of a sudden I see his name. I'm like, okay, Brandon Broderick. Then all of a sudden I, I look, I look up, and I see his name. I see his name in a billboard. I'm like, is that? I'm like, Frank, is this his? Is that him? <laughs> Like, what 's going on here so i got, I took it I literally took it as a sign I, like, I, think, I think we're good bro <laughs> I think he's in wow. i'm
1: feeling i'm feeling the band love already uh, with you guys, which is great. You guys have that chemistry on stage i can even though you guys are all apart, I see it right now. um I think the best bands obviously have that chemistry that communication is is so key. you guys talk about having meaning. Uh, meetings every week that's amazing um i think also the best bands have like varied influences uh, not to be cliche but like what are some of your guys influences individually uh we'll start with
2: brian yeah man i mean uh, all four of us are everywhere but um <laughs> to, uh, to my gosh what what am i not influenced by um my my musical journey started basically with motown and and soul and R&B. I, yeah, a lot of that came from like my dad. Uh, both my parents are into classic rock, so I got a love early on from that. Um, from there, I went into like the funk direction, which I have absolutely loved for a long time. And then I went the hard rock direction as well, where I really got into metal for a long time and was influenced uh, by that too. Um, the most recent influence for the past almost decade is country and what's coming out of Nashville. And That kind of helped, it changed my playing style, honestly. Um, There's a different way to approach a song with that sort of feel, and it's just a very feel-oriented way to interpret a song, and thankfully I know that some of the other guys, uh, Frankie and and Brandon, share that vibe also, so we were able to develop a chemistry from there, but that's my history.
4: So Frank. um, so for me, I've, I'm always, a, I grew up listening to country. I lived, I grew up on a farm in Millstone. <laughs> um, oh, so wow. I, I, I grew up listening to country and then it was still very early that I still got into classic rock. Um, I, I was always listening to Led Zeppelin and all that other stuff. And <laughs> I became a big classic rock person. And then when I was 12, I heard, uh, Waiting by Green Day and then my life was well, over my life was over in terms of the music. In terms of music stuff, I was a Green Day fan, and I'm obsessed. But like, it's basically Green Day and Foreigner for me. If I have to choose two top two top bands uh, that influence that inf- that influenced my life, but you know, I really believe that you need to be as diverse as possible as a, as a you know musician. I've played country stuff. I've done you know the hard rock stuff. But I think getting into this band made me a better musician. You know. I'm, spe- you know, speaking for myself. Pulling from all the genres that I've played for, made me a better musician. Being able to join this band,
3: absolutely. We'll go throw it to Mark. Uh, well, I mean, I started the first uh, artist that I really got into when I was a kid was this Italian singer that my father turned me to. and that was the first. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, that was the first uh, music I ever heard. Uh, when I, I remember, like I, I remember hearing it, hearing it in the car. As a kid, and then obviously, you know, I, I got, um, I got older. I got into, you know, Bruce saved my life, and uh, I'm also a very, very big Temptations fan. Uh, nice. but, and I like, it, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm really big on the Motown stuff. I love the Motown stuff. I can't get enough of it. Uh, my, my friends hate me for it. Um, and then uh, I got to say, you know, like the '60s group, like the Animals, but I, I like. Uh, I'm also highly influenced on like what I'm listening to at the moment to like as far as writing goes um, like I I could I'm I'm always finding new bands like I I just recently got into the 1975 and I was like how did I not find these guys before and I'm just I'm going I'm actually I'm going crazy on them lately Um, I'm also into um, a lot of the killer stuff you know U2 anything that um, anything that's anything that really speaks to me you know but those are the big ones I guess
1: Dig it. All right, let's uh,
3: warn the Ninja Turtles and, and throw it
1: over to the Shredder.
5: What do you got? <laughs> Look at you. Um, so I, I grew up kind of like always into lyrics and writing lyrics. I've been writing lyrics uh, since probably I was like 12 or 13. And so I always loved Bob Dylan and, you know, all that folk stuff. Uh, Tom Waits and Springsteen and anything that had that real acoustic, heartfelt, kind of vibe. So I come from that cut and then because of that I started getting into like the Grateful Dead and then that burst me out to Americana and then I started loving Bluegrass um, and then the whole jam band scene. I, I really love improv a lot. I come from that kind of world. So like I listen to tons of jazz and jazz saxophone players and try to emulate it on guitar a lot. Um, and also, you know, that whole jam world like the Dead Fish, Dave Matthews, all that stuff kind of came along with that. So I, I kind of have both like the structured songwriter part of me and then the kind of improv, jazz, see where things go kind of part of me. Um, you know, and obviously as a guitar player, you always listen to the shredders. So uh, I've always loved Satriani and, uh, you know, Ingve and, you know, you get into that stuff. And then I started listening to tons of Uh, Nashville guitar players, like guys that probably people haven't really heard of, like Johnny Hyland and Brent Mason, like these guys literally like they're on like every Alan Jackson record playing every guitar solo you could think of. Nobody knows who they are, but they're on like every single one making a fortune, just shredding (laughs) country. And so uh, I started listening to them and I can't get enough. And it's influenced my playing a lot. That's a great
1: answer. I love I like this guy. Anyone who can improv, man, you have my respect. I love that kind of stuff. Um, all right, guys. Kind of here's the hard I'm not a hard-hitting question kind of guy, but here's the one I always like to throw at bands. You guys can keep it politically correct. Uh, you can be straight shooters here, however you guys want to take it. because uh, everyone listens to this podcast. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> you're pretend hypothetically we're not in this quarantine 2020 world shutdown. Pretend like we're we're business as usual here. Um what are what are kind of your thoughts on this Jersey rock scene? Is it oversaturated? Is it not about the pay to play? Any thoughts on the on the scene? You guys can keep it very real here, um, or keep it very politically
3: correct, wherever you want to take it. Well, the thing is, man, I come from all these uh, these guys, um, Brendan, Frank, and Brian. They're they're from South Jersey. I'm from North Jersey. So, okay. and yes. I say that I, I'm not bra- I I'm not bragging about it. Don't don't worry. Um, <laughs> But I live in Fort Lee, and there is no venues down here. There's no venues. There's nowhere to play. South, South Jersey, the, the Jersey Rock scene, is. I, I feel, is that we, we, have, we have a gift. We have a, we have a platform. And they're not big on pay-to-play, which is awesome. So I really dig the, the Jersey Rock scene. I mean, obviously, a scene can get oversaturated. But it's your job as a musician, and it's your job as a band to stand out.
5: Really well said. Um,
3: yeah. I think, before, you go ahead. Go uh, ahead, bro.
4: Really quick, I, I think that you know it's Jersey, and Jersey people are quite different. And I think that I don't necessarily think it's oversaturated. I think there's a bunch of you know there's a bunch of amazing musicians out there, and there's a bunch of amazing bands out there. But I think you know it's Jersey, so like if they like you, you know you're going to be recognized, yeah. you know. And I think it goes a long way. Like I, at least in my experience living in Jersey, you know word of mouth still you know one of the biggest things. You know, especially in the in the Jersey Shore area, you know, people talk. So if they like you, they start they start talking about you. But you know, it's just like Mark said, you got to figure out how to stand out.
2: Yeah. Other gentlemen, any thoughts on the
1: scene?
4: Um,
2: you know, I think. Um, and actually, on my last appearance with with you, is um, I probably would have said that it that it is oversaturated, and maybe I still can. Um, but. I've learned something else since then um, because I joined up with these guys. And you do have to make yourself stand out. You know, when there is so much talent, when there's a lot of great songwriting in one small area, you do have to make yourself stand out. And, you know, one thing I tell the guys before we have shows or, or even rehearsals, you know, when we're trying to really grind it out is be undeniable. I mean, for lack of a better term, make yeah. sure what whatever you're trying to do, whatever show you're crafting, make sure it is everything you believe it should be on stage, and you'll make an impression.
5: Wow. Yeah. It's tough in, in the rock scene in Jersey. I mean, it is. Um, I, I feel like Jersey, as a state, as a whole, has not Embrace rock for a while it just seems to be kind of like uh it's just such a weird state you drive like 30 minutes north and nobody everyone just listens to hip-hop and electronica and you drive 30 minutes south and it's like only country it's just the strangest state where it's like four states in one and they're all like 20 minutes apart so it's like it's hard to find it you know um i know asbury is a very vibrant rock scene currently it's probably the only one that I really am aware of that has any kind of scene. Uh, you know, and it's it's tough to break in because it's it can be very clicky, you know. Um, oh, yeah. But I think, you know, if you're good enough and, and you work hard and you, you treat the people right in the scene and you stay humble, I think you'll get accepted into it. Um, you know, and that's what we're trying to do, so... <laughs> Awesome.
1: Very well said. And and I'll bring this up, um, Brian. I had I had asked you this, and this is something that you had said to me last time you we were on the show, and it stuck with me, man. It really did. Um, you had said, and I've mentioned this a few times on the show. You and I've lived it, and I've learned from this. You had said uh, in regards to the scene and the business and all that, it is who you know but it's how you make those connections. It's getting to know those people. It's getting to make those connections. And I've learned that. I've lived that, man. And uh, I I appreciate you saying that. And I always think about that when when I ask this question, man. So it's just really good advice uh, for some really good dudes. And lastly, guys, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Real quick, what is the ultimate goal for Morningside Lane? Well,
3: the ultimate goal, let's... The hat was open a, for us. sun for this one. <laughs> so you know, we, we want to we we, we want to build. Basically, we want to build a following of people that just you know relate to our music, and our music finds a way into their hearts, basically, and they they could they could call upon it whenever they're feeling. Not themselves, whenever they're feeling happy, whenever they're feeling sad, whenever they're feeling whatever. We want them to, we want this album, we want our band to be their go-to.
1: Beautifully said. please say that. Anything else, gentlemen? He summed it up perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get, let's get a little shameless promo out of the way, and we'll get out of here. Uh, we'll listen to some Glass Skin, if that's okay with you guys. And um, real quick, let's get some shameless promo out of the way. <laughs> Where can everyone look for the album? All that good stuff.
3: Uh, well, Brian, you take this.
2: One. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we're on pretty much every platform at Morningside Lane, NJ. Um, that's definitely Twitter. That's Instagram. Uh, that is Facebook.com slash Morningside Lane, NJ. You'll find us. Album drops September fourth. It's called These Are Our Years. Our current single and our first together as this lineup of Morningside Lane is called Glass Skin. It's out right now on all platforms that include Spotify, Apple Music. And whatever else you want to use, hell yeah! <laughs> Y'all have a definitely flexible. the
4: best person to do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got a you got a built in drummer and promo man. You can't keep you can't that. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you again for a few minutes. Uh, continued success moving forward, and guys, hopefully, I'll see you on stage sometime soon. All the best. Thank you so much. Um,
4: thank you. Awesome. Thank you, man. man. Thank you.
1: All right, guys. Without further ado, this is Glass Skin by Morningside Lane we we'll
0: to it